With Amber Wilson, I'm Ian Fitzsimmons. We appreciate you spending part of your evening with us on a very busy news cycle in the last 24 hours in the world of football with Nick Saban retiring. Bill Belichick now no longer the head coach at New England. Pete Carroll out in Seattle. A ton to get into, and we'll get back to more of your phone calls coming up in just a bit here at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. But, right, but earlier today, I had a chance to catch up with a four-time Super Bowl champion, a future NFL Hall of Famer. He is Canton-bound, and that is Adam Vinatieri. And, and, and Vin, before we get into uh, your thoughts on Bill Belichick leaving New England, Mike Vrabel once told me a story about – meetings after a win or a loss with Bill Belichick, where he walked into a meeting room uh, and they were very rare. There were those victory Mondays, as you know, and the moment he walked into a room from the back row, all the way down to the podium, you'd be in there just, you know, burping, farting guys, being guys, having a good time with your position group. And then as he made his way down the auditorium to the podium to begin film session, a hush row by row would take place to the point where he got to the podium from the door. It was complete silence. So take us into that room. What was it like when Bill, when Bill Belichick would walk into that meeting room as a player, you were sitting there, take us through it. Any meeting that you went into, and it didn't matter if you, you know, I I recall one meeting where, we beat the crap out of the team the day before it was a, it was a big win. It was a 45 to seven type win. You know, it was a very, very dominant showing that day. And, you know, we were all feeling pretty good about ourselves thinking that this was going to be a, an easy meeting and Belichick went right down the list and, and uh, started throwing daggers and throwing comments about like, Hey, that's great. If you think you're beating the Northwest, you know, community college of whatever. But if you think this is going to be good enough to to do this in the playoffs, it's not. And then he literally went down the list and, hey, okay, here's Brady's throwing into a defensive team meeting. And then here's the offensive linemen that are trying to get their quarterback killed. And then let's go to the other side of the ball and uh, let's look at this. And, and, and he just went down the list. Nobody was sacred. He was letting everybody know that there's room for improvement. I remember Josh Miller was the punter at the time. He looked over at me and goes, crap, dude, I thought we I thought we just won this game. You know, he made it feel like <laughs> we got our butt kicked kind of thing. But but that was kind of the thing. I, I always felt like Bill was, uh, was not just a, a mastermind and X's and O's and football strategy and all that, but I always felt like he could push the right buttons for players and get the most out of all of his guys. So obviously played on a lot of really talented football teams. And I, I, every year is a new team because you got new guys and guys that leave and guys that come on. So when I say that, I mean every single season's a new team, if you will. And, uh, you know, we obviously had a lot of talented guys there in New England, but he always seemed to make sure he got the most out of everybody and push the right buttons to get everybody to work hard and selfless about everything. He didn't, you know, it wasn't about who got the accolades. There's plenty of plenty of uh, stuff to go around for everybody. And, and I think everybody really bought into his system, you know. And, and you can be a great coach, if, but if people don't trust you, believe you, know that you, what you're, you know, it can get, it can get kind of washed away or, or lost in translation. But I think that was the thing that Bill did really well is he, he put together a group of guys that believed in his system and believed in each other. And, and I, I'll call it a dynasty. I was part of the first three Super Bowls, but they ended up going to a whole bunch more and ended up winning six. It was really impressive to watch his leadership and watch all of the players 
buy into the system and, and know that you're going to get the most out of each other and rely on each other and, and uh, trust each other. And, and, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a cool atmosphere to be around. Adam Vinatieri, one of the best to ever do it. In our opinion, he's a future Hall of Famer joining us here on ESPN Radio. If you have any message for any player that is going to be playing for Bill Belichick next year, can you describe the other side of Bill Belichick? Belichick has that other side also. What What, what is the, uh, the flip side of that Belichick coin? Well, no, for sure. You know, and the, and the funny thing about Bill is I've been around him in – a lot of different areas. Like, obviously, I, I was a player when he was the coach, and then I had the privilege to be around him when I wasn't on the same team. But when they were there in Indianapolis for the Super Bowl and I was playing for Indy, one of the most exciting nights of my entire life is he called a bunch of former players. I think I was the only current player at the time. But we sat at St. Elmo's in the back private room and about 10 of us guys and and coach and Bears, his assistant, we just sat around and had a few bottles of wine and told stories. And you know what? When he's when he's not in front of the camera, he's a completely different person. And, and he's a funny guy. He's a charismatic guy. Most people have never seen that side because he doesn't put his guard down when he's coaching. But yeah, now he's uh, he's really a, a great a great human being. And a lot of people, if if you're not a Patriots fan, you would. You think he's the Darth Vader's father, I guess. You think he's <laughs> terrible and you don't want to be around him. But when you see the other side of him, you, re- you realize that he's super passionate about football now. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, some of my best conversations with him, some of the, the most sincere things that he's ever said or done, you know, for me was after I wasn't on his football team anymore. And, and he always he showed little sparks of that to, to the team when you're playing for him. But but he understands the value of, you know, relationships and friendships and that kind of stuff. And I, I really truly do value him as not only the greatest coach to walk the earth. And now I never played for Lombardi or Shula and some of these, there's a lot of great coaches out there. Yeah. I mean, no disrespect to any of them, but the modern day era, I just don't think there's anybody else out there that that's anything like him, you know, just, just the way, I mean, proof is in the pudding, right? Take us back to Oh one. Right. And you, I think, you know where I'm going with this. I mean, it's, it's 17 all game on the line. I think it was a, 48, 49 yarder, right? To win the game in, in, in New Orleans after 9-11. I mean, there's so many different storylines where you guys were like a double digit dog. I think it was like a 13, 14 point dog to the unbeatable yep. St. Louis Rams. You're going out there. Did he say anything to you before you went out to hit that game winning kick, which started your iconic Hall of Fame career? One thing about Bill that I, I have a huge admiration and respect for is he always came to me before the game and he said, you know, what's our line? Meaning at the end of the game, yep. you know, or what is your, what is your range? What is your limit? That kind of stuff. And, and to his credit, I mean, he, him being a, a former special teams guy a million years earlier, he, he understood and, and knew how important special teams was. And I think that's another big reason, not, not me per se, but another big reason New England was always so successful for those couple of decades is because he knew and paid so much attention to how important special teams was. So we had great communication before the game started, so so we kind of knew what to expect. Um, this particular situation, indoors, not going to be an issue. So at that point, there was no conversation. I knew what was on the line, tied up. Chances are it's coming down, you know, coming down to my foot if we can get into range. And, again, just one of those, one of those awesome – fourth quarter drives that Brady puts together he 
You know, it's J.R. Redman and, and Troy Brown and Wiggins and all these different guys that just march down the field and do their job and he spikes the ball. And at that point, most of the guys never really say much to the kicker when he's getting ready to get out onto the field and do their stuff. So Bill was never a guy that really said too much. He just expected you to do your job and do it well. And, and I think Willie, Willie McGinnis was the only one that gave me like a swat on the butt and said, let's go, man. And I tried it out there. But, uh, you know, the expectation was always there. And, you know, I, I just I felt like he brought the best out of everybody because the level of trust and expectation with each other and ourselves was just a different thing. So I don't think there was any comments that he actually said to me, but it was expected to go out there and do your job, you know. <laughs> when it comes to – Quarterback play, you've played with some of the best and some of the best coaches. If you can, put into layman's terms for any football fan out there what that combination means to any organization, the coach and quarterback combo. It's everything. Honest to God, you know, you there's some great coaching quarterback duos. If you, you know, if you go through history, some of the most successful teams had exactly that, you know, and, and Tom and, and Bill were no – we're, we're no different. I think, you know, everybody always wants to, you know, is it Tom? Is it Bill? And I always laugh. I'm like, why can't it be everybody? Why can't it be the both of them? Because I think Tom probably isn't, probably isn't who Tom is today without Belichick's leadership and, and guidance. And, you know, like, like I think Tom learned the fundamentals of football or, or, you know, the basics of the X's and O's and all that through the mind of a football genius with Belichick. So I think Tom would, I don't want to put words in Tom's, you know, in, in Tom's mouth, obviously, but I think he would say that he's a better football player because of Bill. And, and clearly when you have an athlete like that leading your team on the field, it's going to make you look like an even better coach because you're winning games because you've got an exceptional player out there. So I think both of them reaped a lot of success from each other's success. And so, you know, it was always such a, you know, is it because of Tom? Is it because of Bill? You know, do they win six Super Bowls over X amount of years if one of them isn't there? Probably not the same amount of success. And, and, and But that's no slant on either of them because anybody that's successful has to have help throughout their career to get them started, to help guide them, to help this, that. I think it's foolish for us to try to figure out who is more important, both, I mean, equally important. And, and uh, I saw it firsthand in the development of Tom and those two, can you say anything about, you know, the, the goats at both of their coaching and, and quarterback position? Why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you just embrace it? You know what I mean? Amen, Ben. You have a good story about my brother. My brother, for people who don't know, was a young QC with the Colts with, with uh, when, when Ben went over from pa- from the Patriots to be with Manning in Indy. Uh, my brother's an idiot. We all know that. I mean, he's he's a different dude, but he's a hell of a coach. You, you have a good memory of just that moron dialing up plays with you? So when he came in, he was that young coach, eager to learn. Um, I was kind of the old veteran kicker guy, if you will, but um, – it's awesome because uh, as he moved around, he went to Vanderbilt. He'd, he'd send me video and ask me questions and, hey, can you help me with this kicker? Or what do you think about this? Or we're recruiting this guy. So we've had an unbelievable relationship over, you know, two decades time now probably. So nothing right offhand that sits out other than. Oh, you, know, you do. Our- I know you do, but you're not going to share it because he might be looking for a job, right? So I get it. I yeah, get it. You know what? Our, our personal relationship stays personal. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but I do respect the heck out of him. He's a, he's a hell of a coach and a hell of a good dude. And, and we have drank a couple glasses of bourbon back in the day and, and telling stories. So I'm looking forward to the next time we get to do that again. 
Vinny, you're the best, man. Thank you so much for your time and looking back at your time with Bill Belichick, who is going to be coaching somewhere again and again. It's gonna, it is going to look weird watching him in a, on a different sideline wearing a different hoodie, man. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Take care, guys. All right, it's four-time Super Bowl champion Adam Vinatieri uh, here with us on Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio. And Amber, a quick thought on what he said there about Belichick and Brady. And you heard the tone there where it's almost emphatic. Forget giving credit to one or the other. It was about both of them building that dynasty. What, what, what was your reaction to that? I can't argue against it, right? And first of all, that man was there, right? So uh, who am I to say anything about his opinion? I, I I think that the Brady thing, because of the way that it goes in Tampa, he ends up winning the debate, so to speak. But I also think to Venetary's point, Tom Brady isn't Tom Brady without those years under Bill Belichick. And we'll never know what it would have been like under some other coach. We know that he wasn't highly touted coming out of college, right? We know that he wasn't, you know, the next coming, coming out of college. So he certainly seems like he thrived from being in a very specific environment. And it was those years. And you never know with the greatness that is learned there. And then they take it. I mean, I, you can have this conversation about so many of the greats that have gone other places. We used to have this debate when I was on local Miami radio about LeBron, right? Is it, Pat Riley in Miami that made LeBron a champion or is it LeBron that made them a champion in those years right and and really the reality is it's all of that LeBron was already one of the greatest but then he comes there he learns that championship pedigree from a championship organization he takes that back to Cleveland with him you can't ignore that those years that he learns there it's the same sort of thing that's applicable here would Tom Brady be the champion without everything that he learned from Bill Belichick he certainly had the talent to be but it might not have been just honed in on the same way right as it was during that entire dynasty there in New England so those two guys will always be mentioned in the same breath coming up next year on Amber and Ian with Belichick now a free agent who is the best head coach available in the NFL Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. A lot of pushing around going on in the coaching world. We already have eight teams that have vacancies in the NFL. Wait, two, four, six, eight. eight. Yes, eight teams. You are correct. <laughs> to my knowledge, <laughs> so, so be no make math. sure. 
Right. Uh, eight teams that have vacancies in the NFL. And that's just current vacancies in the NFL. I wonder how many front offices, Ian, Amber Wilson, Ian Fitzsimmons with you here on Amber and Ian, how many front offices are there, do you think, tonight discussing the availability, who have coaches in place, but discussing the fact that now Bill Belichick's available, that Pete Carroll's available, that Mike Vrabel's available, maybe Nick Saban if he ever wants to return to the NFL. How many do you think are reevaluating their current head coaching situation? I'd say more than you think, but as far as the Saban one, uh, it's also a Miss Terry decision. And I think Miss Terry likes her lake house in Georgia. She likes being the matriarch of Tuscaloosa. And no matter who the new head coach is in, in, in Tuscaloosa for Alabama football, Miss Terry will still be the matriarch of Tuscaloosa. So I, I don't think, think they were that, just down in Florida, weren't they? I don't think they have a house down here in Florida. And they he just do. bought a couple yes. new dealerships, the, I have, think, in Florida as well. They have the lake house in Georgia. They have their house in, in Northport, uh, which is a suburb of Tuscaloosa. Yes, you know Tuscaloosa does have a suburb now. That's what Nick Saban has done for wow. for for this the town when he took over now city of Tuscaloosa and they have a place in Florida. Um, but bottom line is, I me, mean, I, I don't see Saban jumping back into the NFL. But you do have Belichick who does one in. Uh, Pete Carroll does. You know Mike Vrabel does. Jim Harbaugh does. And so to me, this is going to sound nuts, but I would take Vrabel and Harbaugh right now over Belichick and Carroll. And neither one of them have a Super Bowl. And those two dudes do. And one of them's got six. And I would still take Vrabel and Harbaugh over Belichick and Carroll. Am I nuts? No. And you're not nuts because the age does factor in for me here. When you're talking about the future and you're an owner, you're looking probably for more than just a few years out of your coach if you can get it and hoping it works out longer than for that. There's no way that that Pete Carroll or Bill Belichick can promise you that, right? So you have to be in a unique position where you feel like you are in a situation to win immediately and the only thing that you're missing is the head coach, which how many teams are in that situation in order to go after particularly Bill Belichick? He's 71 years old. Things haven't gone well for him the last few years, but you know he's chasing Don Shula's record, so he's he needs 14, 15 more wins. 15, I guess, right, to break the record. 14 to tie the record. So he needs the wins. I'm sure he's chasing another championship here, but he ain't chasing another 20-year-long career. I mean, he's 71 years old. Pete Carroll is 72 years old. As much energy, yeah, he's you know 72 going on 52, but he's still 72. I mean, how, how much longer are these guys going to want to do it? Mike Vrabel, on the other hand, at 48. It's funny that we think of Jim Harbaugh is, is so much younger. I mean, he's 60. He's 60. <laughs> he's still 60. But, yeah, Pete but Carroll has a lot 72 going on like 52, right? I mean, That's that dude has so fair. much energy. And, and Belichick, I mean, also, I mean, he, he doesn't look like a guy who's anywhere near the end. But I mean, it, it's just – and maybe I'm insane, you know, and, and you can weigh in on this. But, I mean, I, I just – this, I just look at Vrabel and Harbaugh. I mean, look, look at the quarterbacks Harbaugh's developed. Right. I mean, Alex Smith from nothing, right, to NFC Championship game. Then you go from when Alex Smith gets hurt, Colin Kaepernick, you know, running this, you know, pistol formation at Nevada and turns him into a pro bowler. Um, a, go look look at what he's done in Michigan. Right. I mean, come on, man. I mean, it's it's remarkable. But by the way, what, Pete what he's Carroll been able to also. do with the most important position in football. 
I, Pete Carroll also. Pete Carroll is one of those guys yeah. that you could attribute, right? The development of Russell Wilson. I mean, Russell Wilson, I do think, is a Hall of Famer one day. He's not that without Pete Carroll and all those years there in Seattle. You're getting the most out of Geno Smith after he'd been a journeyman in the league for a decade. What he did at both the NFL level and the collegiate level, much like Harbaugh. I do think Pete Carroll gets lost in all. Like, Pete Carroll is an excellent top-notch Absolutely. coach. Absolutely. And he's kind of getting lost in this because of the announcement from Saban that he's retiring. But you got a young because quarter- of Bill Belichick. You got a young quarterback at Carolina in, in, in Bryce Young. Atlanta needs a quarterback, but they have everything else around there, right? The Raiders, you might have something, right, in AOC at quarterback. But if I'm the Raiders, I'm taking a good hard look at the guy you have in the building right now, Antonio Pierce. The Chargers. That's Harbaugh. I mean, if I'm the Chargers, I'm money-whipping Harbaugh to come. Why Harbaugh over Belichick? For you, with the Chargers yeah. specifically. Justin Herbert. I mean, I, I think Harbaugh, Harbaugh can take his whole knee, uh, his, his game to a whole nother level. Uh, Harbaugh in L.A. <laughs> it would be spectacular. I, I, I firmly believe that. The reality is, with all these vacancies, the Panthers, the Falcons, the Raiders, the Chargers, the Commanders, the Titans, of course, also the Seahawks and the Patriots, with all these vacancies, none of them are going to be perfect. If they were great teams, and the only piece they're missing is the coach, then they probably wouldn't be missing the coach, right? And that's the reality. There is going to be some growing pains, any of these jobs, but these guys certainly in high demand. Coming up next, what two NFL head coach openings make the most sense for Belichick? This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. So much to unpack tonight here on Amber and Ian. Amber and Ian presented by Progressive Insurance for all things NFL. We always turn to our friend Mike Tannebaum, ESPN NFL front office insider. Hello, Tannebaum. Hey, guys. How are you? Slow news day. You know, we're good, right, Ian? (laughs) I mean, not much to get to. Now, Mike, I understand that you have opinions about my co-host here on the sidelines. I think he's a sharp-dressed man who has outstanding haberdashery uh, proclivities, and uh, he's an aspiring figure to one and all. <laughs> figure, That is right? not what uh, you said uh, off air. That's not what, yeah, I mean, go ahead. Take the shot, Mike. I'm, I'm going to give you an open forum here. Here we go, right? I mean, it's man-to-man coverage. I would, just, I, I, would just say, I would just say some of your sizing was the equivalent of Laura Rutledge's glove size. Like, there was, like, <laughs> yeah. it did a nice job of, like, not being tailor-made, but as the great – Philosopher Eric Mangini once said, those that live in fat houses should not grow marshmallows. (laughs) 
For those of you who don't know, Laura Rutledge had to buy men's gloves or she accidentally, I guess, purchased the wrong size gloves. And that's what she had to wear on national television. They were so big on her as she was swimming in them. Apparently, she ended up she couldn't even get them in her suitcase. Are are you trying to say that the suit I had on in the natty was uh, was not tailored? Is that what you're trying to say? I'm just saying that your haberdashery uh, choices were I would just we'll, we'll, we'll give you the benefit of the doubt. You look vocab aficionado. That's a Jay yeah. Hilburn tailored suit, damn it. I mean, I broke out the goods on that thing, man. Are you kidding <laughs> He's me? He's saying you looked good. He's just saying that, you know, maybe it's uh, hiding some stuff there. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN I, 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 NFL, I front office insider. I up a lot of stuff. With, <laughs> with, all, with all the fashion advice here on Amber and Ian, but also, Mike, of course, you've got the NFL front office advice. We got a bombshell today. Bill Belichick will no longer be with the New England Patriots. I think... A lot of us have talked about this as a possibility over the last couple seasons, but it feels weird that it's actually here. Let's just start with your reaction. Yeah, you know, personally, Coach Belichick did a lot for me. Um, gave me an opportunity with the Cleveland Browns in 95, New York Jets. Um, I learned a lot from him. And I will say, like, from a personal standpoint, guys, like, he's much more of a nurturing, endearing person than he'll ever let on. I know there's, you know, one way he's dealt with the media uh, in his career, but there is another side to him. And I would say professionally, you know, obviously second to none. And, and the rigor and attention and detail he had was just incredible. Is there a, a, a particular story? Because I, I feel like, especially going back to last night when it was Nick Saban, it, it was almost like a damn eulogy, right? But he's not coaching anymore. Uh, but it's clear that Belichick wants to coach. Pete Carroll wants to continue to coach. So I don't want this to sound like a damn eulogy again, right? But is there a fun moment that you had with Bill Belichick that just stands out, that one that just jumps out going, man, that defines him? Yeah, I'll give two quick ones, guys. It was my first assignment. I graduated law school. I was driving people to the airport working for him, and it was a nickel corner that he was looking to do an extension, Tim Jacobs. And I thought I had a pretty good sense of you know what he was looking for. And I'll tell you what, like it came back. like I, I felt like so – intellectually diminished in terms of what he wanted. And like, I realized, Oh, okay, this is the NFL. This is what it's really like. And then the other thing, like to me, uh, a true indice of intelligence is someone that could take, you know, a lot of complicated information and distill it to two or three actionable sort of points. And I remember going to the first uh, installation that he had on, on defense. And I was like, man, I can't wait to see a bill Belichick you know, installation, thinking it's going to be long and complex. And it, and the genius, guys, was in its simplicity. It was it was incredible to see. Everybody talks about the standard of excellence there from Bill Belichick. Mike Tannebaum, also a standard of excellence around here on Amber and Ian, joining us here on ESPN Radio. So you mentioned, though, this isn't a eulogy, right? There will be another chapter in the Bill Belichick story, at least we expect there to be. Where do you expect it to happen? You know, I always thought Washington, that's where he grew up. His dad, Steve, was part of the Naval Academy football program for, I don't know, better part of 46 years. Um, and then Atlanta, to me, would be the other one. You know, they, they need sort of like a transformational hire. You know, Bill's lived his whole life, essentially, you know, a cup of coffee in Detroit, but from Maryland, the Northeast. And uh, I just feel like Atlanta would make more sense than maybe going out west. So if, if I had to pick, I would say Falcons, Washington. You have Belichick, you've got Pete Carroll. He sounds like he still wants to coach. You've got Mike Vrabel, and you have Jim Harbaugh. We're going to tackle this also on, on later on the show. But of those four, you're the GM. Who are you hiring right now? 
Well, it's interesting. So I, I have, uh, I know Coach Saban, but you know, I work with Coach Belichick. I interviewed uh, Jim Harbaugh, be our head coach in 2009. We wound up hiring Rex. Um, I always thought he'd be a dynamic head coach. I like the pairing, to be candid, of Jim Harbaugh and Justin Herbert because I think we would see all the gifts that he has, and um, th- that that pairing in particular, guys, really fascinates me. You mentioned Nick Saban. Were you surprised that Nick Saban announced his retirement? I wasn't. I, I, I thought I saw it in his face when he uh, ironically spoke to Laura Rutledge after the Rose Bowl. I think it was, uh, you know, it'll go down as one of his greatest coaching jobs this year. You know, he, he prides himself on player development. Jalen Milrose went from a whatever C-plus, B-minus, to on the precipice of being in the Heisman Trophy conversation. And that's the essence of coaching. Like, what does this player do best? And look, at 72 years old, and he alluded today when he spoke to Reese Davis, in recruiting, people are going to use anything and everything against you. And at some point, you become recruiting with you know one arm tied behind your back. So, so ha- having said that, you know, and I know you're, you're tied into the college world as well. When it comes to the state of college football and any coach, because you know, I had one prominent Power Five coach tell me after the national championship, we were sitting back at the hotel. Uh, that man, when it comes like like my brother came up, right? Who, for people who don't know, coaches special teams with the Carolina Panthers. He said, "Tell your brother, don't ever come back to college football unless you're a a big time coordinator at a big time school or a head coach. Don't ever come back." How much do you hear big time college coaches talking about leaving the game and even more money on the table to go to the league because of the state of college football with an eye on the portal? I spoke to a Hall of Fame coach today. He put it to me slightly differently. He told me that college football now is basically managing a team where every player is an unrestricted free agent. And you spend your whole life at the NFL level, guys, looking at which contract is expiring when, who can we get to fill this role for this year, this cap dollar. And I, I think what you just said has a lot of wisdom, Ian, because with the NIL dollars and human nature being what it is, why would you want to be developed patiently at Alabama or Georgia where you could get the instant gratification of going to University of North Carolina, University of Minnesota, whatever it may be, start and getting paid? And because of that, I think you're constantly playing whack-a-mole, right? Like, we dealt with this issue, now this, this person's going this, you know? And I think that's what, you know, what that coach told you, probably over some beverages, I'm assuming, Ian, he, um, he was, yeah, he, he was speaking freely. I, I just walked in after the game, right? So uh, he'd been there for a minute. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> that's the best time to get the that. That's when, they, right. that, that's when <laughs> they speak the freest, right? right. Mike truth Tannenbaum joining us here. The truth serum here on Amber and Ian. So Tannenbaum, your career before this one was spent, of course, in NFL front offices. You spent a lot of time making coaching decisions yourself. How much would age factor into this? Because we're talking about a, what, 71-year-old Bill Belichick, a 72-year-old Pete Carroll. How nervous as a GM would you be about hiring those guys at this point in their careers? I think it's more about uh, relatability, Amber. And what I mean by that is, there's, you know, men in their mid to late 60s that have the relatability to, to people more so than someone who's younger. And, you know, I think in this day and age, you have to be able to create meaningful relationships with players to coach them, inspire them, have conversations that candidly could be uncomfortable. And uh, all those things come into play. And 
you know, part of being a head coach though is hiring a good staff. And if Bell Belichick's walking in with young, dynamic people, you know, that's you know a factor. You know, you go back to why did the Atlanta Falcons hire Dan Quinn? You know, his offensive coordinator was Kyle Shanahan. Matt LaFleur was on that staff. Like he put together a really, really good staff. You know, you look at what Mike Shanahan did a decade ago. You know, some people say Mike Shanahan's tough or whatever, but you know, when you have Sean McVay and Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur on that staff. So I think that's part of the paradigm, but I think it's more about scaling leadership and creating the right environment. All right, fast forward to this weekend. If there's one game that you, you, you can only pick one that you are beyond fascinated to see what happens, which game would you pick on Wild Card Weekend? Oh, I think it's going to be the Rams against Detroit, and I really hope the Rams are down by four with a minute 50 to go <laughs> and Matt Staff has the ball at the minus 18 with two timeouts. Um, don't we all want to see that? I mean, yeah. that's what we're—that's what America's about, the comeback, the revenge, and uh, I, nothing would make me happier to see that. I, I, I think that's going to be a really good game. I think there's two great offenses in a, in a dome situation. I think that game's going to be really high scoring. Uh, great Mike Tannenbaum. By the way, great Go. shot again on, on the, uh, the suit. Jay Holden <laughs> loves you. Appreciate you. I, we, we always appreciate Mike Tannenbaum's fashion <laughs> advice. Yeah. Also, his ES, ESPN NFL front office insider advice. Thanks, Tannenbaum. All right, guys. Thank you. I hate you. <laughs> hey, Brady, and just presented by Progressive good. Insurance. I'm serious. I oh. thought I looked good on the, on the sidelines on the, at the Natty. He didn't say you didn't. He just said the suit was, you know, not the most fitted is, I think, what he was implying. It's it's tailored. I'm with you. I I think I'm sending you a pic. Did you see? I'm sending you a picture. Yeah, your looks are running together in my head from the entire football season. Send me a pic. I will judge. This hurts. I will be the judge and the jury, and I will make the final decision. On whether your suit, when you're, whether you were suited and booted on the sidelines there of the national championship game. Painful. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, who we learned on Thursday. I'm trying to speak slowly because I was hoping your text would come through, by the way, but it's not coming through. Not yet. Who we learned on Thursday will not be the next head coach at Alabama. That plus my reaction to Ian's suit. That's next. This is ESPN Radio. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. 
Plus, you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. So somebody will be the next head coach of Alabama. It will not be Nick Saban. He's out. He's done. He's retired. I pulled up his house, by the way, in Florida, Ian, because I was curious. Jupiter Island mansion on the water in Palm Beach County. That man is living. I would have retired, too, a long time ago if I was saving with that in his lake house in Georgia they always hear about. Yeah, oh, I mean, the problem is me with working till 72 with all with, that. With coaching and, and, and obviously having a, a family member who's in coaching, they need it as, as much as you and I need oxygen. Mm-hmm. And that's why guys coach till they're 72. No matter what their bank account says, it doesn't matter. That's not what drives them. But on another topic, what drives me right now is the suit that I wore at the Natty. I sent you a, the full picture with Tony Castro. can't get over this. Vo- the voice of the Washington Huskies. My, her, 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 he was our intern, meaning our Herb Street and I, back in the day in Columbus, Ohio. Now I'm proud of Tony Castro, now the voice of the Huskies. Is that suit that baggy? I mean, damn. No. I, Tannenbaum, it's, it's definitely a tailored suit. I feel like Tannenbaum maybe is saying that because it's not like a slim fit suit. There ain't you know, no it's not slim trendy. about me. <laughs> it's not, but it's definitely a tailored suit. You could tell it's a tailored suit. So no, I mean, I don't, I think it's, it's well fitted, but it's not a slim fit. It's not a trendy suit. I suppose. At the maybe Tannenbaum wants you to be a little trendy. I don't know. At the end of a football season, I, I'm lucky if I can see my feet without a mirror. <laughs> so there you go. Right. I mean, it's it's you know, you start about 20 pounds lighter and then you end up going, damn. And your wife looks at you like, hey, man, you better tighten up, buddy. So there you go. That that that's 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 August to January life on the road right there. It hurt. Uh, Nick Saban, by the way, paid seventeen and a half million dollars for his Florida home. Uh, So living is good. And that's just one of his homes. Living is good there for Nick Saban. He will be enjoying retirement. I always wonder the wives angle of this. I mean, you mentioned your brother is also an NFL coach. What's the wives like your sister-in-law? I assume your brother's been your sister. Does she want him around more? Because here's the thing. If you're Miss Terry, you you think like you're, you're spending your entire marriage or spending decades thinking, man, I wish my husband was around more. I wish he worked less. I wish he was home more for the kids. Right. But then you wake up and it's 30 years later and you're not used to that man being around. And suddenly he's in your space and he's nonstop and he's home every minute that you're home. And you, you, you walk in the living room. He's there. You walk in the bedroom. He's there. You're trying to go to the restroom. He's there, you know, and you're not used to that because he hasn't been home for the last 30 years. Our producer, Terry Slajewski tonight, right? She's used to this working with me for the last couple of years on Freddie and Fitzsimmons. Hey, Tara. There went the rundown, right? Here we go. All right, <laughs> You're so, ripping up the rundown. Yeah, now now we're on a different tangent. You just reminded me of the NBA lockout in the late 90s where B.J. Armstrong, Chicago Bull, we had him on game night when I was produ- back when I was a producer, and, and I, I loved my producer days. And I got to know B.J. Armstrong. It's the NBA lockout. It's Tony Bruno. It's Chuck Wilson, the original game night crew. 
and B, I said, man, I promise you guys, we put B.J. Armstrong on with his wife. This is going to be gold. Because every time I called B.J. at the house, his wife would answer going, get him out of the house. Mm-hmm. To your point, she comes on with B.J. And it was hilarious. Like, he's he's dominating the remote. I mean, he's mm-hmm. eating ice cream. I mean, get this man out of the house. The lockout has to end. I mean, so to your point, there is a catch-22. Do they love their husbands being home? Yes. For an extended period of time (laughs) that they're not used to? No, because she wasn't able to watch all her shows, right? I mean, he's dominating the remote. I mean, you're used to, hey, man, you're supposed to be on the road for three days here going to, you know, Charlotte, right? No. Yeah. He's on the couch with the remote in hand. So, to your point, yes, there is a catch-22 where Miss Terry uh, is going to be going, uh, Nick, don't you have something to do? Yeah, Be careful what you wish for. That's why right. these guys, they retire <laughs> right. for 10 minutes, and then the next thing you know, they're in broadcasting or something else. Because like, sitting home, it doesn't necessarily fulfill them. But also, their wife's like, yo, get out of my space. You I, haven't I, been here. That adjustment's got to be so, so I can hard promise on. you, my sister-in-law, Kate, is if, if my brother he goes by fits in coaching circles because of a long strained relationship with James Franklin, head coach of Penn State. That's a long story that why well, he doesn't go by Devin in, in football circles. But anyway, his government name. But I promise you, my sister in law, if 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 Fitz were to get out of coaching, she'd be like, All right, we got we got we gotta work something out here because <laughs> Yeah, you, I need a separate. Uh, I need a separate apartment for you to go like, to during yeah, the day. Yeah. I like, love you, you buddy. I love you, but damn, because he is a he's an alpha personality. Right? I mean, uh, you heard Mike, you heard Evan and Terry talking about him. You know, I mean, Devin was a young QC with Vin, and I'm tell- they are coaches are different animals, and coaches' wives are used to a certain lifestyle. Right. And I promise you, man, Miss Terry is is right now going, huh. So you're going to be around <laughs> a, how much? Uh, I mean, when you, have, guaranteed. when you have super little kids, when you have super little kids at home and you're a wife, I would imagine you dream. My brother, it, right? my, like, Liam and, I, and my, my nephew and niece, are they're seven and four now. Yeah, so there you go. Right. So there you go. When they're little, you probably dream of it as a wife because you probably, you know, you'd, you obviously you, you'd like the help. You'd want them around more for the kids. But that's not the situation with, with Nick Saban and Miss Terry. I mean, their kids, their kids are grown, right? Your and I think that now. that would be. They're right. And that would be the exception. And so it's you dream of it when you're young and married because and he's out on the coaching circuit and you've got these little kids at home. And you're like, oh, gosh, I can't wait until one day he's home more. And then again, by the time that day comes, you've grown so accustomed to him not being home more and you being yeah. able to just watch what you want when you want. There's no judgment. And Miss Terry wants to sit down on the couch for a couple hours and twiddle her thumbs. Right. Nick's none the wiser. He's not around. She can do whatever she, you know, she can, the house is hers. She's not picking up after him. He's walking around. Why why, why is there no food? He's not opening the fridge 37 times wondering (laughs) why it's not stocked because they probably kept it stocked for him at Alabama. Amber, this is a true story that happens every year in my household. So I'm on the road from August to January. This is my first weekend home and I love the travels. There's nothing... 
I could hit the I could hit the Powerball tomorrow, right? And I'm still calling games. I mean, there's the juice on. You've been down there with us calling games. The juice on the sideline. It, there's nothing like it. Notice how you left out doing this show with me. I'm out. <laughs> I, up I mean, I, I'm not doing the talk show anymore. I, I promise <laughs> you, right? I'm out. But I come home and I guarantee you, it happens every year. I, this weekend, I'm going to be cooking, and then my wife will be like, "Why? Why are you?" Why, why are you taking over the remote? Well, we got wildcard right. games on. No, but I was going to watch like, yeah. It, it, there's yeah, like always, the weekends is her time it, it, to watch what she time. wants. Yes, yes. That's, that that's is her, her remote. That's her domain. And all of a sudden now I have been inserted back into that domain for the next six months. And it drives her insane every single year i mean i believe it i i am a wife my husband is is never not around we both work from home or never not when he goes out of town and travels for work it's like oh like i get to it's crazy and, and i i can't imagine if you're you and i love my husband and all that yeah yada yada blah 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 i can't imagine what it's like to be a coach's wife coming up next plenty more here on espn radio